0: Welcome back guys, Mac Rollins Zen Cop here. Thank you for listening and thank you for the support. This is episode 12 of the Zen Cop podcast here on Spotify and episode 25. If you are listening on YouTube, this is definitely going to be a a very different episode compared to what you guys usually get from me in terms of content. And if you were born before the year 1990, well, buckle up and enjoy the ride back into your adolescence. Being born in the 80s allowed me to be a part of the, the last generation to, to live outside. I was the last group of the youth of America that would have no concept of, of social media, smartphones, dependency on technology, and, and the likes thereof. We were always outside as children. We rode bikes. We played games. We would build stuff and, and tear it down. And we had organic adventures that allowed our brains to expand and grow. And communication with my friends was was primarily via landline when it came to a phone. And if all else failed, you walked to said friend's house for in-person contact. And as a young boy, I can remember many times walking all the way to a friend's house to simply discover that they were not home. And at the discovery of their absence, I would shrug my shoulders and simply think of something else to do. In the early 90s, entertainment... Involving technology in my house consisted of a television that could double as a life raft. It was made of solid wood. My brother and I estimated that it weighed nearly two tons and there were a handful of channels on it and it was operated by a rotating dial attached to the TV. And in the mid 90s, my dad, a very frugal man, uh, finally splurged and we purchased a new television with a remote and we also got cable, a real game changer for my brother and I at the time. The old TV was taken to the dump, and that 's a memory I can remember vividly as it was very difficult for my dad and I to load it into the truck and Upon our arrival to the dump, my dad pushed the TV out of the bed of the pickup and I was really excited because I assumed that it would break or the the screen would shatter and it hit the ground with a booming thud. Uh, nothing broke in fact, nothing happened at all. it just laid there completely intact and as we drove away, I watched a very large bulldozer. Run over the TV, and I'm I'm fairly certain the the tracks on the bulldozer sustained some type of damage. And as time went on, we would see more technological advances slowly enter our home, and we eventually got a cordless phone for the kitchen, which was pretty cool because it allowed for privacy. And at the time, my interest in the opposite sex was growing, and talking to girls on the phone within earshot of both of my parents uh, while they watched 60 Minutes wasn't exactly the most comfortable of of communication forums. And On a Saturday morning, I remember asking my dad for my own phone line in my bedroom, and many of my friends had managed to successfully convince their parents to do so. Saturday mornings were always the best time to ask for things because my parents were usually both in good moods. And when I asked him, he just sort of stared at me as if I had asked him the the square root of something. And Then realizing I was being serious, he he laughed and continued reading his newspaper, and that was the end of that conversation. Defeated but not completely out of ideas, I inquired about getting a call waiting option for our phone line, and seeing that my persistence was, was not going away, he folded his newspaper, placed it on the table, looked at me, and said, no, we will not be getting a call waiting option. It's rude to end a conversation with someone simply because someone else is calling. If it's that important, they will call back. And if it's an emergency, they know where we live. He picked up his newspaper and continued reading. And I didn't like that answer, even though it made sense. And my father then peeked his eyes over the top of the newspaper and said, would you walk up to someone actively engaged in a conversation and simply interrupt them because you wanted to talk to them? I collected my trapper keeper binder from the table that was full of amazing reasons as to why I needed my own phone line and left the kitchen. He made a good argument and he was right. Both of my parents were teachers who ultimately became administrators and in the mid 1990s my mom was offered the position of principal at a school that was located in the downtown area not the most lavish of venues in terms of surroundings but the school itself was was very nice and the position of principal was was not something to pass up. And my dad was was very happy for my mom, but concerned for her her new commute. It almost tripled in mileage compared to her old one and would have her traveling through a variety of somewhat dangerous areas. And a few months later, uh, it was Christmas. And I remember my dad being particularly excited about giving my mom her present. and His excitement in itself was was strange. My dad's list of things that excited him was not very extensive and primarily included, you know, camping trips, fishing, and oftentimes finding unusual things on sale or otherwise mismarked in price. One time we were furniture shopping and my dad found a reclining chair that had been mislabeled in price. The salesman sold it to him as the price was marked, cutting the cost of the chair in half. I think he talked about that for the better part of a decade, but As my mom unwrapped her gift, my brother and I were were equally as excited to see what it was. And the gift was about the size of a shoebox and it appeared heavy. And as the wrapping paper gave way, I, I saw the words Motorola on the outside of the box. And as most husbands do, my dad started to explain the gift to my mom. I never understood why the male species subconsciously does this. Most gifts do not require an explanation. However, we usually start with what the gift is, despite it being Right in front of them, followed by the reason why they bought it, and then ending with the option to return it if they were ultimately dissatisfied. And I remember my dad explaining his concerns for her commute and how he wanted her to have a quote unquote mobile phone. And those words danced around in my head for a few minutes mobile phone. I remember it being about the size of a football and it took about 30 minutes to turn on. When it was on, it was loud, very slow, and dialing a phone number was a a very tedious process and very strenuous on the fingertips. And once the number was entered, you had to walk around for a while to find a signal. And for those of you not old enough to remember, yes, you heard that last part correctly. It did, however, have a small antenna that you could deploy when things got really serious. To this day, I don't think the antenna did anything other, other than extend. But despite all the negatives at the time, it may as well have been from from outer space. As a a family, it was the craziest piece of technology we had ever owned. The phone was outfitted with a protective pleather sleeve that it donned awkwardly like a fancy suit. And it was placed securely in the glove box of our Ford Aerostar where it remained like an entombed corpse. And we never saw the phone again. In the year 2000, however, I took my first drive in a 1994 Ford Escort station wagon with my dad as the passenger. And Looking back on it and now being a cop, I would not suggest hitting major roadways without a permit for, you know, as my dad called it, quote unquote, driving practice. I suppose times were different back then as were many other things, but I took to driving naturally. And in due time, I had my learner's permit and at the age of 16, I obtained my actual license and I was cleared hot for takeoff. The road was officially mine. And after a few weeks of driving on my own, I returned home from a friend's house and my dad called me into the kitchen and there was a box sitting in front of him on the table. He looked at me dead in the eye, pointed his index and middle finger at me and said, this is for emergencies only. I looked at him puzzled, and he again repeated himself, this time louder and with more intensity. This is for emergencies only. Not knowing what I was committing to, I nervously nodded my head in agreeance, and he opened the box and pulled out my first cell phone. Much smaller than the one from Christmas in the years prior. It was about the size of a TV remote. Had a small screen, some small buttons. Um, And this time in a much calmer voice, he told me again that it was for emergencies only and it should always remain in my glove box. And I agreed. The next day and every day after that, that phone was in my pocket wherever I went. And I must have been in an emergency every day because I was calling my friends, calling the skate shop, calling popcorn, excuse me, calling just about everybody. And then one magical day, I received a text message from a friend and I sent one back. Texting was, was tedious work back then, uh, but a very way, uh, a very neat way to communicate covertly uh, when you were in class. If you were slick, you memorized the alphabet associated to the keypad and you could essentially text blind one-handed with the phone in your pocket. And texting soon became common practice among my circle of friends. But little did I know, however, texting would only be a part of my, my teenage life for about eight weeks. And those eight magical weeks were Uh, abruptly interrupted with the arrival of the previous month's cell phone bill. And for the younger audience to fully comprehend what was on its way to our family mailbox, it's important to understand how cell phone networks worked back then. This was way before unlimited data, unlimited texting, unlimited phone calls. Every time you used the phone, there was a monetary amount attached to it. Texting, however, those bad boys were the most expensive feature currently in existence. And around the eight-week mark, on a Saturday afternoon, my my dad sat down at the dining room table to pay the bills. My brother and I were currently watching uh, Golden Eye in the living room. We always had to fast-forward the leg choke sex scene to keep that movie in the rotation. If you're familiar. Uh, But before the introduction of the internet, there was paperless, or I'm sorry, before the internet and paperless billing, you had to sit down and physically pay the bills. And this was a long and sometimes very tedious process. It involved envelopes, stamps, checks. Uh, It was quite the production. And I heard my dad put on his reading glasses as he started opening envelopes. And upon opening them, he would immediately begin making noises of frustration. No matter what the bill was, he reacted every time as if it was somehow a mistake overcharged or somehow at the fault of of my brother and I, utility bills being the most common of repeat offenders. And as he carefully reviewed each utility bill, he would make very generic dad-like remarks under his breath about how our house used enough electricity to power a state prison, comparing our water bill to the Ritz-Carlton's, et cetera. And suddenly I heard mumbling of what sounded like complete disbelief. This usually happened when my dad saw the Mervin's bill from back to school shopping, or when my mom used the credit card at cost plus this time though, it wasn't about gecko Hawaii shirts or, or vases from Africa. It was about the cell phone bill. And I kept hearing words of disbelief followed by more mumbling. Then he called my mom into the dining room, more words of disbelief. And then I heard mutual words of disbelief. And then as a strange new addition to the monthly financial debate, I was called into the room by name. My dad handed me a piece of paper I had never seen a cell phone bill before, any bill for that matter. And I, I looked at the bottom of the bill and saw the total amount due. It was in the ballpark, about $500 and change. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's expensive. And I looked at both of my parents blankly and they just stared right back at me. I, I was confused as to why I was standing there. And more importantly, what involvement I had with this piece of paper I was currently holding. And My dad asked me if I had been using my cell phone, to which I answered nervously. Not a lot, but you know, sometimes you know, for emergencies and stuff. And frustrated that my response didn't provide further explanation, he continued to read the details of the bill. And there weren't many. And before I knew it, he was repeating the same numbers and verbiage over and over and over and feeling as though I was not free to leave. I stood there and watched as my parents continued to analyze the charges. They were ultimately unsuccessful in determining the cause, but they knew my phone number was somehow involved and more than likely their primary suspect. And my father, being a man of persistence and impatience in the arena of finance, ultimately decided that we would visit the AT&T store in person. Thinking that I would somehow not be a part of that excursion, I slowly started to exit the dining room. But before I could get one foot out the door, my dad told me to put my shoes on and get my cell phone. This was happening and it was happening right now. We later arrived at the AT&T store. My dad was greeted by a young sales associate, associate with glasses and messy hair and after he explained the reason for the visit, we all ventured over to the computer terminal where they could take a deeper dive into my dad's account history. And the young man then asked my dad if if he would like a physical printout of all phone and text logs associated to my phone number from the current and previous billing period. My father said, yes. And as the printer uh started to slowly produce page after page i I was growing very nervous they kept coming and it was not stopping my my dad was staring at me intently as a small forest was sacrificed in his quest for resolve and after what felt like an eternity the printer finally stopped it was smoking slightly and the call and text logs now warmly resting next to the printer could have doubled as a tom clancy novel in page count I felt safe being in a public setting with lots of witnesses as my father thumbed through the pages one by one. And I kept hearing him say the same words over and over again, text message, text message with a tone of confusion as he looked through the logs frivolously, my nerves on edge as I watched. And as we stood there in the store, I had some hope that with his, lack of understanding and knowledge in this arena, that he would simply dismiss this as a technical error, perhaps some type of cellular phenomenon that simply could not be explained, ultimately allowing us to leave the store and life would simply resume as usual. Unfortunately for me, that was not going to be his course of action. He then asked the sales associate a very important question. And that question was, what is a text message? Listening to the sales associate explain what a text message was to my father was like watching a caveman hang glide. He did not understand. He did not want to understand. All my dad knew at that time was that a text message was a very expensive way to communicate. We left the store and got into the car and my father held out his hand. I surrendered my cell phone like a general surrendering their sidearm upon capture at the end of a major battle. It was a long and quiet drive home. Um, Eventually, though, after some conversations and debates that resembled that of the Clinton impeachment, I got my phone back. And it wasn't always easy being the oldest. I was the trial period for any form of advancement into adulthood where trust, liability, and financial cost lay in the balance. It was night and day in comparison for my younger brother and I. He may as well have owned a Tesla at the age of 14. But as time went on and I entered adulthood, I would watch the societal changeover in real time and... I remember seeing an ad for the iPhone, and after that, all of the memories start to blend together, and before I knew it, we were full steam ahead into this social tech boom, and reverse of any kind was was no longer an option. Society would become technologically dependent on a variety of day-to-day activities that in times past were, were very simple in application. Human effort, as well as human interaction, would slowly decline, and we would eventually become entirely dependent on our phones. Text messages would replace quick phone calls. Eventually, text messages would replace all phone calls. Mapping systems and directions were as simple as knowing the destination. The phone would take care of the rest. And before we knew it, we would all be looking down into the palm of our hands every few minutes. And as the years went by, it became the new normal. And the next generation of teenagers would possess a smartphone as commonly as anyone else. And the lack of social interaction in that regard would be at an all time low. Um, When we look at getting rejected when we were younger, we had to physically go and talk to a girl or a boy, establish a conversation and then decide if it would move forward. Right? This new generation has no concept of the emotional roller coaster that we went through because they have never been forced to experience that level of social interaction where we're We would once speak, they now text. And when we expand the scope and see the totality of what this lack of social interaction has done beyond the realm of simple communication, we would see major issues in the arena of public service of any kind. And in a job that requires you to deal with multiple people, multiple times, and often in the same style scenario repeatedly, the gift of gab is going to be your best friend. And in all of my years in law enforcement, the most powerful tool on my belt was never something I could physically grab but rather use my voice has been more times than not the literal literal reason why or someone else is, is not hurt or still alive today, and the art of conversation is, is slowly becoming a pastime, and the quote-unquote, you know, verbal judo is, is more like, you know, verbal underwater basket weaving as, as of late, and most academy graduates seem to be struggling with the same three things over and over again, and those three things are making contact, obtaining information, and then deciding a course of action. Number two and three would follow in suit very easily it's number one that seems to be the biggest hurdle to jump right now. And if we were to diagnose the issue, the obvious prognosis would be a lack of of social interaction based on a technological dependency. If we were to attempt to find a cure, that's where things start to get difficult. There is no easy way or fast way to remedy this issue. It will take time, energy, and patience. It is, however, completely attainable if we start to introduce or otherwise encourage social interaction in our everyday lives with the new generation. Technology has provided us with monumental advancements that have made our jobs easier, uh, bad guys more afraid, and, and our, communi- our community safer. It even allows for information sharing and, and thought collaboration you know, stuff that we're reading and listening to right now at this very moment. In terms of basic social interaction, however, it really is time to get uh, back to the basics. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. I'll be back next week. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at The Zen Cop. All of the previous episodes are still available on YouTube at The Zen Cop Podcast. And of course, for your reading pleasure, you can always visit the blog at thezencop.com. Guys, have a great week do great things. And above all, never forget how simple things used to be. And maybe just maybe we can bring some of that simplicity from the past into the present and see how it works out. Guys, thanks again, and I'll see you back here next week.